Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi, and with me is Armin Navabi. Armin, how are you today? I'm good. And we are going to get right to this. Okay, so we have a, a very special guest today here uh, on Secular Jihadist. Uh, so he is a scholar in Islam and comparative religions. He was a student of Dr. Zakir Naik. You guys know Dr. Zakir Naik. Most people listening to this know about him, um, who is at the Islamic Research Foundation in India. And now, I think now he's in some other place. I think he's in Malaysia. And um, so prior to that, our guest was a devout Shia Muslim uh, under the taqlid or the legal doctrine of Ayatollah Sistani. Uh, and today he's a popular ex-Muslim commentator and he's known to his growing audience as apostate imam. I think uh, several of you must have heard from him, so he's our guest today, Apostate Imam. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Thank you, Ali, uh, for inviting me here on your show, and thank you, Armin. Uh, it's an honor that I'm here with you guys. And uh, actually, uh, Arvin Nawabi was the reason I left Islam. I was a really devoted Shia. Uh, before and then I later became a Wahhabi. I used to follow Ayatollah Sistani and uh, uh, he personally knew me actually. I mm. was uh, so popular among Shia that Sistani personally knew me. I actually asked for several fatawas. Uh, I asked for several things. Uh, I means he issued several fatawas uh, when uh, I asked her uh, for several opinions. Uh, so when I asked him for several opinions. So Sorry for my bad English. So I was a later a uh, student of Dr. Zakir Naik. I was a student of uh, comparative religion. I was studying Bible. So I studied both the Jewish Bible and the Christian Bible. I uh, studied Siddur. I learned uh, Jewish prayer and so many things uh, because uh, my work was to debate with Jews and with Christians so I could invite them for Islam. So I was... Uh, I was being trained for that, and mm. uh, I have also studied hadith, and uh, I was uh, overwhelmed with so much information, and uh, I realized that uh, everything that I I have been taught is uh, false and it's against humanity, and uh, Islam is nothing a religion full of contradiction. And it's a religion, you know, uh, invented by Abbasid just to rule over this world. Because the uh, this famous city, Mecca, is mentioned nowhere in any uh, map uh, before 980. And uh, the first book that mentioned the city, Mecca, uh, was uh, written down um, in 741 AD, and the name of that book was Apocalypse of Presidio Methodius, 
Continuo Byzantia Arabica, and that book was wrote after uh, the death of Muhammad. And uh, there is almost gap of 109 years when this book, uh, when this book uh, was uh, written down. And the first uh, Islamic literature, the first book of Islam, is Sirat Ibn Hisham. And uh, Muslims usually claim it that it is uh, Sirat Ibn Ishaq to increase its authenticity, but that's not the case. And uh, we don't know when Ibn Hisham was born, but he died in 12 Rabiul Akhir in 218 Hijri during the time of Abbasid Caliph uh, al Ma'mun. So Islam is the innovation of Abbasid. And uh, it has uh, so many things. There are so many things which you, uh, through which you could prove that uh, Islam is the uh, innovation of Abbasid because uh, all those descriptions which are pointing towards uh, uh, Mecca don't fit on Mecca. They fit... Uh, uh, on some other geographical location of Jordan, yeah, especially Patra. Yeah, we have is. so you know I, th I think we're we're getting into things here. So let's just so Don, I want to take it uh, one step at a time. So you said, and I know there's a lot to talk about. Um, the first thing uh, that you said was that you started out. You know, your background was as a uh, as a Shia Muslim, and I guess you were raised in a family of Shia Muslims. So what is it? That decide that first of all, let's talk about the two transitions. What is it that uh, you know started you the Shia Islam and and got you interested in it? And then how this did the switch to Wahhabism and Zakir Naik? How did that happen? For me, uh, I I thought that Shias are not uh, interested in doing Dawa, their religion. I thought that uh, their version of Islam is full of innovation. Their version is not that rational as compared to Wahhabism. Means uh, Shia always have four infallible people: uh, Muhammad and Fatima, and all those twelve imams. And uh, they believe that their Imam Mahdi is uh, hiding, and uh, he's hiding from one thousand and two hundred years, and he's still alive. He's having these swords, Zulfiqar. Uh, he's having that sword, Zulfiqar of Ali, and uh, he will later appear in uh, in the end of the period, and he will kill one third of the world population. He will be riding the horse of Muhammad, known as Zuljana. So there are so many fairy tales which are pretty hard to solve. So, but you you also see those in in Wahhabism, don't you? I mean, you've yeah. the mirage and the yeah. So what made you go from one version of fairy tales to the other? So I, when I studied that uh, version of fairy tales, I also left it because uh, yeah. there are so many false prophecies. If you if we talk about marriage, there are uh, so many strange things about marriage. Like uh, Muhammad saw that Nile rivers actually it uh, uh, flows from seventh heaven uh, from the seventh sky. He saw the in one another narration of Bukhari, he saw that Nile River actually flows uh, from the first sky, and it is mentioned somewhere. So it is mentioned uh, so many where in Sahih Muslim Hadith 7161, according to international referencing uh, Hadith 2839, that Abu Huraira uh, narrated the Messenger of Allah said, uh, Sehan, 
Jihan, Furat, and Neil. They are the rivers from Jannah in Sahih al-Bukhari, Hadith 7517. When Muhammad went for this journey of Isra, he saw uh, Adam on the nearest heaven and uh, he and he asked Gabriel, who is he? He said, he's your father. Uh, Adam, greet him. So Muhammad greeted him and Adam replied, welcome, O my son. What a great son you are. And Muhammad said, behold, I saw two rivers flowing uh, from the nearest sky. I asked Gabriel, I asked Jibrail, what, uh, what these two rivers are. He said, the, uh, these are the sources of Nile and Euphrates. So this is pretty hard to solve. And there's a contradiction Sahil Bukhari itself, because this hadith 7517 saying that Nile and river are flowing from the nearest heaven. But uh, according to Sahil Bukhari, hadith 3207 and 3887, that Nile and River are flowing from the seventh sky. Okay, go ahead, uh, Ali. No, no, the thing is, uh, a lot of our audience might not know the significance of the, the hadith that you're mentioning. And this is, you know, so basically for people who might not know, Sahih Bukhari is like um, the main... Only second, Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim are sources of Islamic hadith, and hadith is where, other than the Quran, is where um, Muslims, all Islamic schools of thought, um, Shia and Sunni. Well, th these ones that I mentioned is mostly for used by Sunni Muslims, but um, Islamic hadith is the main uh, source of understanding of what Islam is supposed to be like, right? Like most of the Islamic teachings and most of the Islamic rules and Sharia and everything comes from Hadith. Uh, a small portion of it comes from uh, the Quran. The Quran has like mostly the art, you know, the faith. It is, there are rulings in the Quran, of course, but um, a lot of the core beliefs comes from the Quran, but a vast majority of what we uh, what makes us recognize Islam or what is Islam comes from Hadith. So this is what Imam, uh, Apostle Imam is referring to. Um, I do like to go to something that more more people like that might not have an Islamic background might be able to understand. Uh, do you mind just telling us like what made you start? Just you know consider questioning everything. Like what was the journey like? Like can you also like uh, speak about it in a way that maybe like people without an Islamic background might also like could relate with to uh or understand the problem okay so the problem with the quran is uh it uh no, don't before you go but sorry before yeah. you talk about the quran like can you talk about your journey and like you know maybe like what you felt and what made you start what motivated you, you to yeah. doubt when i was listening to neil degrasse i was listening to you i was uh uh watching you and uh I realized that uh, I starts uh, I I purchased I purchased the Origin of Species, uh, uh, which is the book of uh, Charles Darwin. So I start studying. Uh, I start studying him. I study Robert Spencer. I study Richard Dawkins. And when I was studying them, I realized that Islam is not a religion for humans. Uh, actually. Uh, uh, in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 32, uh, Allah says that uh, Allah does not like the disbelievers. And uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 65, uh, it is mentioned that, uh, uh, it is mentioned, uh, and you had already known, 
about those who transgressed among you concerning the Shabbat. And we said to them, be apes, uh, despised. So actually people, uh, uh, people, the children of Israel, they became apes. So Muslims don't believe in evolution. According to them, apes can't become human. But according to Quran, human could become apes and they could even become swine. In Surah Al-Maida, chapter 5, verse 60, uh, uh, it is mentioned, say, uh, shall I tell you about the ones uh, whose retribution with Allah is worse than that which you deem bad? They are those whom Allah has subjected to his curse and to his wrath, and he has turned some of them into apes and swine. So, actually, God turned some people into apes and swine. So, people, this is the evolution of Islam. And uh, in Surah Araf, chapter 7, verse 166, uh, so when they were insolent about that which they had been forbidden, we said to them, be apes despised. So, people could become apes, they could become swine, they could even become... Uh, rats according to few hadith. So, um, according to Bukhari, few people became uh, rats uh, uh, who were the children of Israel. And uh, uh, the... that's, that's, that's why apparently rats don't drink uh, non kosher, like they don't drink, you know, food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were that's, Jewish that's, rats. That's they were tip. Jewish rats. By the way, you, were... the, you, no, wait, be careful. No, no, guys, be, be very careful. Don't say those two words right next to each other. Okay. YouTube. By the way, YouTube, we're not obviously. No, according to Hadith, because they were, because they were okay. the children of Israel. I know. And they become rats. They I become rats. I know, I know. But if you say those words next to each other, YouTube's algorithm is not smart enough to recognize that we're not saying that. Um, so we just have to make it very clear in case this gets a strike and then get reviewed by a human. We were just describing what other people's beliefs are. And obviously we are against it. I'm just like, I'm just trying to make it clear. Like if somebody, if the algorithm gives us a strike, I just want to make sure that we say this for, for when a human reviews the strike, they could see that we weren't saying any of this, but please don't use the word, the J word next to any animal name. Okay. That's like a yeah. very sensitive subject. Okay. But yeah, go on. Yeah, we are not uh, saying that, but uh, Sahil Bukhari, yes. Hadith 3305 mentions it. Uh, and, yes, uh, that's it an insult uh, uh, for human, that they could become yes. rats. So apes could not become human, according to evolution. Uh, uh, according to Muslim, apes cannot become human, uh, and evolution is false. But uh, according to Islam, human could become apes, human could become swine, human could become rats, and many right, other right. animals. Just to be also also just to be clear, um, evolution doesn't teach us that. I mean, I know I know you're I know you're not saying that, but we we don't apes didn't become humans. Apes and humans have a common ancestor. Just just wanted to say that before some like somebody was like, well, actually, like somebody in the comment section. I just wanted yeah, to make yeah, sure. Yeah. That I, uh, I I Mom, can I? So I wanted to ask you. You went so you had this whole you know Shia background that you decided that you know the fables were a little too ridiculous. We agree with you. And then you uh, went on to uh, the the Wahhabist thing, and then you started studying. How you you went to the you were at the Islamic Research Foundation, and you were studying under Zakir Naik. Now Zakir Naik is a medical doctor. He talks about that and advertises it all the time. Uh, yet you know you were talking about how many of them don't believe in evolution. Zakir Naik has also cast doubt on things like evolution, despite being a doctor. So. Um, what what was it like studying under Zakir Naik? What was he like? Uh, did was there any time that he, uh, uh, he you found him convincing? And and what made you 
come out of that spell? Uh, he was the dumbest guy I have ever seen, actually. If, um, first of all, he don't want to have debate with you. Actually, uh, you ask a question and he will uh, respond to your question and uh, he will not uh, let you interrupt uh, between. So uh, there is not proper communication. And he always debate with dumb people. If anyone asked him any difficult question, I saw that uh, in uh, video editing, they removed that portion. So that uh, portion is thrown out. If someone asks him any difficult question and he's uh, unable to answer it, so people only thought, uh, people only watch uh, things which he's being able to answer hmm. wow interesting so um but yeah go on ali finish no i was saying what specifically did did you study under him and what was the structure like did he actually uh personally train you or did he have uh, an institution where there were other teachers did you have any direct interaction with him like you say you did with yeah uh, i had uh, direct interaction with him i had i had direct interaction with him he used to uh, teach us about uh, Bibles. Uh, we we have some notes. Uh, we uh, we have uh, several books. Uh, uh, they have a list of contradiction in Bibles. They have a list of scientific errors in Bible. And uh, is this like use... an online course? Like, what is? How does this work? Uh, like this worked the, like they, uh, they for when I was in IRF Islamic Research Foundation of Dr. Zakir Naik, uh, they provide me Bible, they provide me with some okay, notes. But do you like, but do you physically meet with him? No, right? Like, it's just yeah, his, we used oh. to attend uh, his so many lectures, we oh, were sitting lectures, in audience. Okay. He sometimes uh, even uh, deliver us some presentations uh, personally. Uh, mm. And uh, there were other teachers as well. So, um, yeah, actually, I will, I'm going to highlight something that uh, Susanna saying in the live chat because I have this in my notes. I yeah. want to say it as well, right? Because, yeah. like, a lot of people think, like, no, Zakir Naik, but I was like, I think the bigger deal was the fact that you were dealing with Sistani. Like, I don't know. And Susanna is saying that in the live chat as well. She's saying, I want to hear about his interaction with Sistani. Naik is a small fish. Yeah, and the problem is that most people in our audience, like most non-Muslims in our uh, people with not an Islamic background in our audience, don't know who Sistani is. But that is, I think, a lot. You know, Zakir Naik is just like a Dabo preacher guy. I know, like he has a huge following. He has a, like a massive following, like multiple times bigger, like somebody like Sam Harris, for example. Right? Like he's huge. But when it comes to influence, a political influence, like. You're t when you mentioned that you actually had interaction with Sistani, my, like my jaws just, I don't know, people might listen to this later and not see my reaction. But the guy, that guy is like second only to Khamenei when it comes to being a merger in Shia circles. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when it comes to the amount of influence that he has in, in the world. And yeah. he he's the main, Sistani is the main competitor when it uh, to Khamenei when it comes to being a source of, uh, being a merger. Um, and it's not just people, it's not when it comes to the relationship between Khamenei and Sistani, it's not just like different, it's not just a religious thing. This is also a battle between two countries. It's, it's about the, the future of Iraq as a country and be, whether, whether Khamenei could be considered like something like a pope in Shia Islam or like the main challenger to that 
is Sistani. Like so, um, like so that is uh, that is even more significant. Can you tell us a little bit more about your interaction? Like, did you meet with Sistani? Yeah. Like he said, to, he knows you. No, yeah. actually, he just know. He just knows me because. Uh, um, Actually, we had a group of scholars uh, in Shias, and uh, I was uh, I was pretty popular among Shias uh, before. So I sometimes uh, used to lead prayers, or sometimes I used to uh, give sermons. Sometimes I recite nohas, uh, and uh, so I was pretty popular. And sometimes people have some religious issues, and they want to know the opinion of Sistani because uh, usually his popular opinions uh, of day-to-day -day life is mentioned uh, is mentioned in his Tozi, uh, which is a book of Sistani. But uh, mm. and and people follow Sistani more than uh, Khamenei because uh, mostly Shias mm. all uh, and all over the Asia they want to do matam. Uh, Uh, using uh, chains and uh, swords and everything. So uh, Sistani actually uh, uh, didn't uh, give any opinion that whether it is permissible or not, uh, people want to practice the khama means they want to injure okay, their we're head. Getting, okay, we're getting a little into... Oh yeah, Hama. Oh yeah, no, no. Actually, mentioned this one. This is not. This is. Uh, this is good. Yeah, yeah. you're saying, talking about. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Flagellation, self-flagellation. Yeah, flagellation. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the knife, you, you, the, you're talking about the practice that uh, some Shias do during Ashura when they cut their own heads with knives. Yeah. Make their heads bleed, and they sometimes make it make. They cut baby. Uh, babies. Way, when I, babies as well. By the way, when I say cut heads, I don't, I'm not saying like beheading. I'm talking about like putting a knife on your skull and making your skull bleed. And they do that to themselves forehead, and to yeah. children, to their forehead and to babies as well. This is something they do to honor uh, Imam Hussein's martyrdom, which is uh, basically um, this is third Imam in Shia Islam, right? So you're saying um, Khamenei banned that. Khamenei said that that's not allowed. Did Sisani say if it's allowed or not allowed? Because I know Shirazi Imams say yeah, it's, it Khamen is allowed. Khamen, uh, Khomeini, uh, actually, uh, both Khomeini and Khamenei said that it's not allowed. Uh, you should mm -hmm. not uh, make yourself uh, bleed by using any weapon or you should not hurt your back. Uh, so, what about Sistani? Sistani, yeah. uh, uh, when he saw that Shias are dividing on this issue because some people uh, st start to hate uh, Khamenei, so Sistani. Uh, didn't give any opinion and uh, actually uh, he didn't give any opinion that's why Shia usually in Asia follows him because uh, just uh, they don't know they don't read Sistani but just because of this one issue they follow him because they may say that oh the Maraji which I follow did not prohibited uh, doing this so I could do this uh, and uh, that's why I follow Sistani so people follow this Sistani. is a major This is very interesting because this is a major source of uh, contention between Shia. Like people may think this is a small deal, whether you are allowed to cut your, make your forehead bleed during Ashura or not. But this has a this has become <laughs> one of the most sources of uh, you know uh, debates between different fractions of Shia whether this is allowed or not. But you you would think like when it when it comes to the battle between Sasani and Khamenei. When, when the future of the country like Iraq is such a big deal, 
you wouldn't like if you're if you're not familiar with these debates, you wouldn't think like people are deciding who's who to side with based on something based on something as like can we make people bleed? Can we can I make my baby's forehead bleed during Ashura or not? And this is the <laughs> it's so unbelievable I, that this is the yeah because yeah. the belief is it, that we're going. Because uh, well, Shia believe that their fourth Imam uh, Zainul Abdin cried so much that uh, his eyes starts to bleed. That's why they believe that they should beat yeah. themselves uh, until they bleed. And uh, yes, they yes. bleeding uh, bleeding is uh, uh, a practice of uh, Zainul Abdin. That's why they, they practice that. And why were you uh, apostate Imam? Why were you under the taklid of? Uh of Sistani rather than Khamenei. Is that something that came from your family? Was your family also under Sistani's taqlid? Or or did you choose that yourself? No, actually, uh, everyone was following him. The books of Khamenei was not available. There is not any website. Uh, there is not any proper website. If you want to follow rulings of Sistani, there is a website, sistani.org. But there is uh, no website where you could see what are the rulings of Khamenei? So Khamenei doesn't have a. He has a website, but he, he uses that for propaganda. Now me now he, he uses that for propaganda. Not much for rulings. For, yeah, he just used it for po political propaganda, not for religious ruling. Leader I know you. Know, I know. I think I know why. Is because he was not never. He never got his certificates. Like he never got to the. I use this term loosely because this is all fake scholarship. But he never got to the to the level of Islamic scholarship for him to be for him to for it to be justified for him to be a marja, right? Like the reason why all of a sudden he became like such an important religious authority was because he was supposed to be a te temporary uh, supreme leader in Iran while they find somebody that is more uh, has the credentials to be able to hold that position. But then once he got into power, he basically just hold on to it and managed to just stay there. But like he he never had he himself when he was being selected for the supreme leader, he said, I don't have the religious, um, you know, credentials to be able to hold this position. Like there are people he said there are people he's sitting right here in front of me that have more better credentials than me. Like, why would anybody listen to me with with such lack of credentials that I have? And he said that a, a country that he specifically said there's a recording of this that if I the country if a country has me as a supreme leader that country should be weeping uh, for having me as a supreme leader because of his lack of um, uh, credentials and his uh, so all of that right um, so I think one reason why he might not have religious rulings is because it's so obvious for Shia for many Shia marjas and other scholars in, in Shia Islam. That you have no business giving religious rulings. You know, think. Do you think that's why he avoids giving religious rulings that much? That could be reason, and that that is one another reason that uh, now twelvelers uh, Ishnashri uh, are are divided in two uh, sects. Uh, means you have Usuli Ishnashri, you have Furuhi Ishnashri. Usuli Ishnashri, they. Follow. They follow their scholars. But, they, but they, they, before they, you continue, Isna Ashari means twelver, twelver Imam Shias. But yeah, go ahead. yeah. Ishna in Arabic means two. Ashra means ten. Ishna Ashra means two plus ten, twelve. And Ishna Ashri means those who follow twelve, means twelve Imams. So, yeah, yeah. Um, 
they actually blindly uh, follow uh, uh, so usuli ishnashri they blindly follow any religious uh, figure uh, means any religious leader any scholar any maraje but those who are furuhi ishnashri they are especially in pakistan in india they are in hyderabad they don't follow any maraje they think it's a shirk because according to quran uh, chapter 9 verse uh, 31 that uh, jews and uh jews and christian they make their uh, they, their scholars uh, and priests their god so that's why uh, uh according to usuli uh, usuli shia it is not permissible to follow any scholar if you are following any scholar you are doing shirk in nahjul balagha Uh, yeah, but is- but the but the usuli is saying like we're not we're just because we follow our marjas doesn't mean we're worshiping them. Like the 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 people in Shia Islam who follow their marjas, they, their argument would be like, listen, and your your average person cannot become a religious expert. Like just like you don't you take advice when it comes to medicine from a doctor. Just just like when your car is broken, you go to a mechanic. You try to try to fix it yourself. when it comes to religious issues you also need an expert you know when you have religious questions you can't just let make you can't expect average people to just know the the core and how to interpret quranic verses or how to figure out what hadith applies to where that's why given that it makes sense for everything else that you need an expert it also makes sense for religious issues for you to have an expert and that's why Those you are- need a marja Yeah, those are the exact yeah, two examples they used to set, tell us when we were kids that you know, yeah. what about a doctor or what a mechanic when you have the car and when you have the doctor you have to go those are the two examples that they had I guess yeah. all over the Shia <laughs> world. That's it. That's all they Yeah, they always yeah. they always <laughs> use that two examples. Yeah, you're right. They yeah, always no, they, use, they use any other two. It's, <laughs> it's great. I'm getting yeah, like, like flashbacks. And they also say like how ridiculous it is for you to say that just because we're appealing to an expert because they have they have more knowledge you telling us that we're worshiping them obviously we're not worshiping them we're just like following their guide but yeah go on So Shia believes in vilayat faqi those who follow any maraje but uh, according to Furuhi Ishnashi there is no vilayat faqi means you cannot follow any religious scholar only these tw- uh, these 12 imams are scholars and fatima and muhammad these uh, uh, to, uh, these two personalities they are scholar and uh, apart from these 14 and god no other person is scholar they all are students according to quran as i said the chapter 9 verse 31 jews and christian make their scholar their god because they were blindly following them in nahjul balagha which is one of the most popular book among shia uh, uh in its uh, sermon 18 ali prohibited the the title of that sermon that prohib- prohibition of following any religious scholar and uh, in usul kafi the in kitab al aql wa iman means book of faith and knowledge uh, there are actually three hadith uh, which says that you can uh, you should uh, not uh, give fatawa or any islamic ruling means uh, one person one person actually gave his opinion on some religious issues so jafar sadiq who is the sixth imam of shia he was angry he said that you should ask me and then you should tell people oh. yeah so but but here's the thing the 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 uh, shias uh, imams in iran they would say like yes when the when the 12 imams are around you shouldn't be asking anybody but them but obviously god is not going to let his muslim community the ummah just without a guidance 
So in the absence of any, you know, uh, any of these imams, there needs to be another replacement for the Walayat Faqih because, or else we are going to be like without a guide and we're going to be just like, you know, in the dark, just going not, you know, not know who to ask. Like, so that's why yeah. there needs to be some, yeah, okay, go on. For that in Nahjul Balagha, Maktoub number 369, it is uh, Ali, uh, Ali said that there will be a, pardon? How do you remember the, the exactly where in Nahjal Balogha this is? Like it's amazing, but yeah, go on. As I actually people call me Zakir Nayak of atheist. I have memorized every single book. I actually I have memorized those hadith, and uh, you have not seen that face, and uh, you will feel it later that uh, damn he has memorized every single thing. <laughs> That's impressive. All right, but go on. You were saying sorry. <laughs> so. In Nahjul Balagha, Maktoub number 369, and it is also mentioned in Sunni scriptures in Mishkat al-Masabi, Hadith 276, in the book of Imam Bahaki, uh, Shobal Iman, Hadith 1765 and Hadith 1908 in Musnad al-Firdos, Hadith 107. This is, so it is mentioned in both Shia book and Sunni books that uh, narrated by Ali, or Ali says that there will be a time that uh, the that uh, Islam will be a religion only of name and there will be nothing uh, left in Islam uh, apart from his name. And the uh, mosque will be filled with people, but uh, they will have no hidayah, no guidance. And scholar at that time, which people uh, used to follow, they will be worst of the creature under the sky. Uh, those who will follow them will go astray and uh, fitna will emerge from them and will return back to them. So it, uh, it blindly following any scholar is, uh, is not good. Uh, okay, the way, the, the way you're citing these books, you really do sound like Zach and I. So like when, but so it's so great that we have our own atheist Zach and, Zach and I. I. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But you need to just do something else, Apostle Imam. You need to, before you cite all these places and then you answer me, you have to start with say, first saying, brother, ask a good question. Okay. So just like, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Brother asked a very good question. Actually, they there always start like this. Instead of answering two, two plus two equals to four, they always. Talk like this, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa ala Rasulillah, wa alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. They always start like this. Why don't they simply answer the damn question instead of reciting Quran and so many things in Arabic? Yeah. 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 Um, so I I, I want to, um, okay, so you you are an, I, an amazing source that I, I hope you let me bother you sometimes when I have questions, okay? Uh, because it seems like we can't even tap into uh, even like, we can't even start to tap into like the information that you have in this in just one episode, right? Um, I do, but this might get a lot a little bit too advanced for a lot of our audience. So I do want to bring it back a little bit, maybe like in in the future we could get into more detail. But I do want to make it a little talk a little bit more about your experience and things that you have to deal with and your journey and stuff. Can you tell me like, what is the, um, if you, I, I don't know if you guys want to take it into a different direction. I do want to take it into talking about the situation with ex-Muslims in India. Yeah. Um, and what, it, what is that like? And what, where is it heading? And yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? 
uh, yeah, the situation I, of... Sorry, I wanted to add something to that, Apostate Imam, is that you sent me a little sort of article that showed from first post uh, titled Why India's Ex-Muslims Struggle for Recognition Amid Fear of Retribution from the Community. Uh, and they actually mentioned you by name as, as a as a YouTuber, um, as an Indian ex-Muslim uh, running a YouTube channel. So, I mean, you do have some prominence there and some recognition. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that context before you went ahead and answered on Ar Arvind's question. Yeah, around more than uh, more than thirty newspaper they mentioned me, and uh, so I actually uh, my channel is just uh, two months old, and it has around uh, eight thousand subscribers. So it's uh, one of nice. the fastest growing atheist channel in India, and uh, uh, I'm pretty popular. So can you tell us about? That's great, guys. Yeah. Go make sure go check him out and support this channel. I posted the mom's just search for that. Is that what you search for? A posted amount? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, can you tell us about this before Ali interrupted and derailed my question? Can we go back to <laughs> and provided valuable I, context? Yeah. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, can you tell us about the situation of ex-Muslims in India? Uh, the situation <laughs> there is uh, not good. They have to hide their face. They have to change their voice. Mostly ex-Muslims I knew they change their voice. Uh, they hide their identity, and uh, it's not safe, means I know many uh, ex-Muslims there, but they still have to pray, they still have to fast, they cannot openly declare themselves uh, as an ex-Muslim, and uh, uh, Muslims, what they are doing, they are just increasing their population, giving, uh, they, uh, Islam is the fastest breeding religion. They think that uh, if they keep on increasing their population, one day they could dominate this country and change it into Sharia. And uh, is that actually even, true or is that is that like a Hindutva propaganda? Because it, it uh, seems like, yeah, go on. Yeah, it might be their propaganda as well. But yeah, their population increasing. I saw so many Muslims, Imams, and so many Muslims I knew that uh, they don't even have food uh, to feed their children, but still they have eight kids, uh, 12 kids. So that uh, that that's a, that is a sick that's... mentality. Okay, that okay. so here's the thing. When I'm, I was trying to talk, figure out the situation with ex-Muslims because... The whole um, them having higher fertility rates, that's not just an India thing. That's like they do that everywhere. You know what I mean? Like that's just an, you know. That's, yeah, it's not just a Muslim cases, thing. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it is a, It is relatively, like if you look at fertility rates among Muslims is higher than everywhere else. Like sure. uh, anyone, any group. But that's that's true everywhere. Okay. So it's not just India. I don't think like this is, but, but I'm. I mean, it's you're allowed to have higher fertility. I, I want to talk more about um, what ex-Muslims in India have to deal with, um, because I have the yeah, you go on and then I'll, I'll ask follow-up questions. What they have to deal with, actually, Muslims are dominating. Uh, slowly, they are dominating this country. Uh, India means uh, when uh, Muslims? when the. Are you sure? Yeah, it seems yeah. Like, I mean, they are—they like are not dominating. They are not politically. They, they are not dominating it politically. But I saw so many times that uh, when this uh, pandemic uh, of COVID uh, uh, begin, ah, uh, no, don't mention. Beat. Okay, don't mention. Sorry, yeah. 
YouTube is sensitive <laughs> about mentioning the name of this this disease, so to, please don't so, yeah, mention it. Mention it. Okay. Just call it the big okay. illness. The big, the big, the cove. Call it the cove. But yeah, go on. Okay, so when this cove uh, st started, um, so actually Muslims they were uh, they were forcing people that we, they they want to pray. Uh, in congregation, they want to visit their mosques, they beat uh, so many people, even in my own city, so many policemen were attacked, uh, and they were stabbed. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's what they do it means. Uh, it is uh, their leader, not all, made... obviously, hashtag not all some of not all of them, but yeah, go on. Their leaders, uh, many of Muslim leaders in India, they have uh, police uh, case, uh, they they have criminal charges over them but it is uh, impossible to arrest them but so many people follow them that uh, there could be a civil war if uh, government try to take any action against them so okay so i i have this understanding that ex-muslims in india have to deal with two uh, two main issues two sources of discrimination right one from muslims right because they left islam but they also, a lot of ex-Muslims in India also complain about the fact that Hindutva and Hindu extremists also discriminate against them because they have a Muslim background. Is that also true? Yeah, but means uh, it's not, uh, it, it is partially true. Uh, means uh, actually Hindus uh, hate Islam because uh, the Muslims are pretty backward, uh, and uh, uh, even uh, I have many uh, right-wing uh, Hindu friends, uh, and uh, they used to drink wine, they used to visit, go to nightclubs, girls used to wear miniskirts, they have tattoos all over their body. So actually, even the extremists in Hindu, they are actually moving forward. But uh, and, That's, and I don't, I don't think I don't, like yeah. drinking and having tattoos is a sign of moving forward. I don't see the <laughs> oh, Apostle, I don't I, 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 I can don't I explain see something? <laughs> no, where, but, so you're at, uh, least, uh, at least they are evolving. Uh, yeah, well, I, they're, Apostle, actually, actually, okay, you go on. I have a lot wait, of, uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't say a lot of things to this, but Ali, you I, go ahead first. Yeah, I wanted to wait, let just, me turn on the power. Uh, my laptop charging is uh, let me turn okay. on the power just a second, okay. So I wanted to, like, what I wanted to do uh, is uh, sort of remind Apostate Imam that he's talking to somebody uh, who came from, okay. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Apostate Imam, I wanted to just contextualize it, that you're talking to Armin Navabi, and Armin Navabi is somebody who was uh, I don't really just... think that's relevant. Right, but go on. Huh? No, no, in the sense Please. that I, I'm, not, I'm giving, I'm not saying that this is why you are saying this. I'm saying that just in terms of the... Uh, Hindutva nationalism, which is like sort of like they're, they're almost like jihadis on their own in a way. Is they they basically uh, when it came to I think it was cartoons that Armin Navabi did, right? Like they do towards. I really don't want to. I really have so many questions, and I don't want us to go through that because then I have to. Then he's going to say I don't want to go through that. I, no, no, right I, I'm I'm talking. Armin, oh, I'm, I'm talking okay. about what you're talking about. How, what ex-Muslims have to deal with from a receptive when they receive this kind of thing from the Hindutva treatment as well. So I think that was emblematic of something that ex-Muslims also face from the Hindutva thing. Which is very right. very similar to what they've faced from uh, Islamic jihadists, right? Right. So um, let me go. But let me go to the question. I don't think it's fair for you to suggest 
that Hindutva are progressing just because they don't have the same kind of backwardness that Muslims uh, that some Muslims in India have. Okay, the Hindutva is responsible for challenging many things that are making uh, makes India a better country relative to Pakistan. They're challenging um, secularism. They try to challenging freedom of speech. And they are absolute bigots. Obviously, like we are anti-Islam here, but we're not anti-Muslims. We want to defend the rights of Muslims, right? We don't want to, we don't endorse the level of abuse, discrimination, and oppression that Hindutva and a lot of other Hindu extremists are making the Muslim community in, in India go through. Do you agree with that? Um they are actually uh, spreading hatred for Islam, but act, uh, but uh, that hatred is necessary because Persian it, people doesn't. Okay, you don't. The, okay, you. I think the, I think there's a mis. I think you didn't understand what I'm saying. You're. I think you're using the words Muslim and Islam interchangeably. Changeably. I think yeah. that's the pro. Yeah, I think that's the problem here. Okay, obviously we hate Islam here as well. We don't think there's there's any reason nobody needs to be ups we we endorse the hatred of islam we promote it you're saying like the hatred of, of islam is justifiably of course it is justifiable that's what I've, we me and ali have been doing for the past more than a decade right now we've been like promoting that we're talking i'm what i'm what i'm actually asking about is not whether or not they justify to is hate islam everybody is justified to hate islam i'm talking about discrimination and oppression of muslims as people not not their religion I'm talking about Muslims, not Islam. Do you see the difference? Uh, yeah, I knew. And, uh, and, uh, but still, I don't uh, want to talk uh, on those uh, issues because uh, no interest in that. Because their operation is not uh, as much. Because when Muslims will be in power, there will be not an even one percent of freedom left. <laughs> the thing is, right now the Muslims are not in power. This is what we're trying to say: is right now the Muslims over there are not in power. Right now the Hindutva are in power. You're talking about backwardness. I mean, you have Hindutva like we have seen that all the time that they have been just like the Muslims say Allahu Akbar. The, you know that Hindutva say they say Jashri Ram. We've seen videos of Muslims terrorizing like young Hindu women, like for example in Pakistan. We've seen the same kinds of videos of Hindutva doing that to to Muslim youth who say who ate beef, uh, and then you know the backwardness we see that with yes the extremists the super fundamentalist Muslims we also see the Hindutva like drinking cow urine and bathing in cow urine and just so I mean that's also uh, so that's what we're saying is uh, that there is a uh, I, I think there is hate and that Hindutva people are in the majority right now I mean they're not in a minority this is a majoritarian. Uh, things so that's why hello uh, we kind of wanted okay. to get more yeah let him let him say a few words mm -hmm. we're gone I'll... talk hello sorry my internet uh, uh yeah sorry all right uh, can you uh -huh. okay i i don't know if you heard what ali said so i'm just going to ask you a question and then we're going to let you answer it okay mm -hmm. are you suggesting are you can you hear me a person mom yeah. Okay. Are you suggesting that the oppression of Muslims in India is justified because if they come to power, they would do something worse? 
no, we should not behave like communist people. Means we have to educate them. Means communist, uh, like what they do, they uh, demolish all churches and mosques. But doing that will not make uh, Muslim or Christian think that their uh, religion is a cult or it's false. We have to educate them. That's what uh, Hindus are not doing, and that is the uh, that is the problem. They think that uh, boycotting them financially uh, will uh, deal with this cult. That's not deal with this cult. Uh, let uh, they think that uh, letting not them educate or uh, letting uh, uh, letting not them on uh, uh, letting not them achieve okay. uh, good jobs uh, or job opportunities. Uh, but that will not educate us. I agree. I agree. So would you condemn the very common and widespread anti-Muslim bigotry by Hindutva and other Hindu extremists in India? Would you condemn that? They have to change their way. It means the the uh, who. I would you condemn it? Praise them. No, my, I my neither praise it, not condemn it. I have. I think they have to change their way. The uh, uh, the Hindutva or the Muslims uh, or both. Hindus means actually, actually, uh, actually, uh, both have to reform themselves. Means uh, mm. Hindus uh, have to educate them in a proper way if they want to protect uh, their democracy. If they want to protect their constitution, they uh, uh, the uh, Means uh, doing uh, just uh, behaving like them will not uh, educate them or will not uh, probably would you, teach would them. Would you support? Would, do you think that as an ex-Muslim, would you support Muslims in India against the bigotry they faced from Hindu extremists? Would you defend them? Would you stand with them against that form of bigotry and oppression? Actually, they are playing. The victim card. I don't see them as oppressed. How are they, they playing, themselves? Uh... How are they playing the victim card? We constantly, every almost every week, we see examples of extremely like the form of a form of discrimination that would have got global attention if it happened against Muslims in North America or Western Europe. Constantly, we see like abuse, murder, intimidation. Like how is it? How are they playing the victim card? Like if they're if the Muslims anywhere on the planet other than China have any reasonable any 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 legitimate reason to call out for being victims, it would be India only after China. Can, can I ask something in addition to that, uh, Apostle Imam? Is it? And I think Susanna also mentioned this that you know you're saying that you want to educate them. We shouldn't use all of these sort of uh, forced. I really wanted a response to that. I I'm going to add add to add to that, Armin. Come on, like just. I'm not saying that much here. Um, so you're, you, when you have things like the NRC, the CAA, this is part of what Armin's also talking about, is that when there is officially, the state is actually doing these discriminatory things like with the NRC and CAA, then can you also talk about that? Like there's overt discrimination, not just like what Armin's talking See, about. See, I really don't want to get to, now, I really didn't want to get into CCA. Armin, but I did, I did, right? I know, so just I know let, but, yeah. but can we, but, but, in, yeah. but okay, but please, I posted him up, I don't, if you, in, in your answer to that, I don't mm. want us to make this about the, the legal details of those things. I just want you to just acknowledge as the the level of oppression and discrimination that that is going in India against Muslims. Like, I don't want yeah. us to go over. That, that's the main idea. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, 
the way they are dealing with them is uh, totally wrong means they have to deal with them in a different way if they don't like their extremism they have not to be extremists by themselves uh, and uh, they have to properly educate them that should be the way Sorry, if, uh, instead of I, sometimes it's hard for me to know which day you're referring to so instead of they them can you say um you know f um, you know f uh, far right hindus and radical if muslims hindus, or, yeah, if yeah, hindus but... want to educate them uh, if hindus want to educate muslim they should not boycott them they should actually uh, they should see real issues why muslims are so backward why they are so extremist and where they should work uh, so mm -hmm. they could uh, bring them out. Actually, I, I guess uh, your uh, channel, Atheist Republic, is also, uh, or Twitter is also, or Facebook is also banned there in India, I guess. Uh, yeah, we have been banned in India. But actually, actually, you know, we've been banned in India because of, because of Hindu extremists, not because of Muslims. They came after us. Yeah, and we've been, uh, just we've been banned, uh, so we've, many. We've been banned. We've been banned in only two countries, Pakistan and India. What does that say about the behavior of Hindus in India? Given that the only other country that did this to us was the Muslim Pakistan, like, do you not see that as a red flag about how much the behavior of far right Hindus in India is becoming like the Muslims in charge in Pakistan, where, do, where there's no other country that has done something? Like, do you see how? India is becoming more and more like Pakistan because of Hindu Hindu extremists, not because of the Muslims in India. Like, don't you see that the greatest threat to what makes India great right now in India is not the Muslims, it's the Hindus? Hindu extremists, Hindu right one. I guess, uh, I, as I said, I could partially agree because uh, just to spread, uh, just to... Uh, protect their constitution, I guess, they are behaving like mm. this because they are scared of Muslim. They think that Muslim could uh, conquer their country just like uh, Muslim have their country, Bangladesh and Pakistan. Uh, they could uh, also have this country, India, as a Muslim country in mm. future. So I, I, think, are, I uh, think scared. Uh, I, they I, are like, scared. Yeah, Apostle Imam, I think there's there's one premise that you're saying here over and over again that the Hindus have to educate the Muslims. The Hindus have to educate the Muslims. I'm uh, the, you know, there is for what we're seeing, and this is you know, like I'm from my my parents are from India, like my heritage is Indian, uh, from Delhi and Allahabad and everything. Uh, there is a there are there's a lot of backwardness among you know Hindutva. I know you're talking about like tattoos and mini skirts and everything, but there's a lot of uh, that like you know I mentioned. That all the videos about the cow urine, about beating up people and killing people who eat beef, um, all of these things. I mean, what, do, 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 would you make an argument that both of them actually need education, uh, especially considering that the Hindutva are a majoritarian sort both, of? Uh, both of them need education. Both of them need education means uh, if uh, you're Muslim or a Christian, sometimes you don't get uh, any. A room for rent uh, means it is pretty difficult uh, for you to find a room for rent. Means uh, one of uh, uh, my Muslim friends uh, when I was in India, he wants to buy a room for rent, so nobody was ready to provide him a room for rent just because he was a Muslim. And uh, for five days, we keep on searching for a room. Means there were 
thousands of rooms available uh, for rent, but uh, they were mm -hmm. uh, not ready sure. to uh, no, provide the, to any Muslim. The rooms for rent is one thing, but I'm, I wanted to talk about like the specific things I mentioned. So we're talking about you know the cow urine bathing and everything. We're talking about the backwardness and the religious fundamentalism, right? So you know we're we're talking, talking about, about how the abuse. Like you could drink as much cow urine as you want. I think the most important thing is the abuse and the threats and the violence and the intimidation, like actual murder. Hey. I mm. I've not I, I, I've not just by the way like let's important let's mention the most important people's one of the most important group of people that are also being abused. It's not just the Muslims, also the Dalits. Like mm -hmm. me and Susanna constantly report of the abuse and murder, murder of children, burning burning people alive. Like this, the, like the level of abuse is like astronomical, and this is done in the name of Hinduism and Hindu extremism and right right leaning. Like the number of victims in India, the number of victims of Hindu right right wing Hinduism in India is a lot more than the victims of Islam. And I'm not endorsing, I'm not supporting Islam by saying that, okay? Because obviously the number of victims of Islam in Pakistan is much greater, right? But in India, we, just because we are against Islam as rightfully we should be, we can't we can't like make it all of a sudden get in bed with some other far-right oh. extremists, but go on. Uh, my laptop battery is just 10% and there is no electricity, unfortunately, so. I'm scared that uh, might. Uh, uh, All right, so make your point. Just make your points fast. Yeah, we have ten percent will last you around four or five minutes. So I think we have about four or five minutes. Make your points fast then. Yeah, I'm scared. My laptop is seeing that could shut down. Okay, you okay. You only have a few minutes, and now you're saying you're scared now twice. So like, please make your points faster and go to the point. No need for repetition, because you only have ten percent. Go on. Yeah. For me, uh, for me, that extreme behavior is wrong. We need to educate both of them. And uh, okay, the, you already said that. But can you please public, condemn it? When the, yeah, I condemn that. I condemn it when the when atheist I when when atheist republic was banned in India. It uh, actually it was not harming Hinduism. Actually, I saw thousands of Muslims leaving Islam just because of atheist republic. So banning it was was the worst decision. It was harming actually Islam. It was not harming Hinduism because uh, uh, Hindus are pretty free. They uh, are uh, more uh, they are more modern than Muslim and they have more freedom than Muslim. So they don't they don't think of leaving their religion, but uh, Islam is really restricted. The, but they, this is what I wanted to challenge. And Armin, the reason I was talking about the whole cow urine thing is because this is a very, very common thing. Everybody you talk to, the eating beef thing is very common. And when you say they're more modern, that's a premise. I know Armin's talking about the oppression and everything, and I'm glad you condemned it. But I'm also, this this whole premise that one is more modern than the other, the Hindutva fundamentalists are as nuts and as backwards as the Islamic jihadists. Like, they really are. In India, there is an equilibrium. In a lot of other places, I wouldn't compare them. I would think that the jihadists are a lot worse. But in, 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 uh, in, with you only have five minutes. Yeah. I condemn beating a Muslim or killing him. I think that uh, it's better to educate him. I, oh my God. But, but how, how would somebody if, who's uh, drinking cow urine and revered bathes oh in cow God. urine if he, uh, educate, uh, uh, you know, somebody? We who need to educate are, both. I mean, so I saw that. Yeah, we're uh, just even, saying, uh, saying some, we only have five minutes and we're like saying we need to educate not, both. I, I'm like, not getting the answer the to the question. Time. I'm not getting the answer yeah. to the question. Like that's. You know, you're saying educate both. That's the answer. But I'm saying that, you know, do you not think that both of them are equally? Why does why not equally? 
We're going. Yeah. But, you know, just the backwardness of it. I just don't understand why. Ali, he only yeah. has five minutes. I want to make sure that. Yeah, so. Because of because of extreme. Yeah, because of extremism of Islam. Now we have uh, some extremism of Hinduism. And uh, <laughs> in its response, I feel it. Uh, so you think that the Hindutva extremism is in response to uh, Islam? In India? Yeah, because uh, I think I feel that because of one bad thing, we have another bad thing. Uh, Seems like you're making uh, excuses for some really horrible behavior. You're trying to not even give them the agency to hold them responsible for it. You're trying to blame other people for for their horrible behavior. Apostle Imam, given that you only have a few minutes, I just want to let you uh, let you know, uh, give your recommendation. Do not let us ex-Muslims be used by far right goons. Okay. Do not let them use us for their crimes. We are they're gonna the ex-Muslim movement cannot be hijacked by far right people, whether white uh, you know white nationalists in Western European countries or North America or Hindu far right leaning people. We they have a different agenda. They are not anti-Islam. They're anti-Muslim. Our anti-Islam agenda should not be hijacked by people who are bigots for their agenda. Do not become a puppet. Do not be used by these people. Be careful because you are putting, you are very valuable and you're putting amazing content out there and you have a lot of information. So fight Islam and don't let yourself be used by people who are anti-Muslim. Uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. but uh, I feel, um, uh, I don't know. I, I see all those, ha all those things happening, mob lynching and everything. And I feel pretty bad. I think uh, that should, uh, the, the, that should not weigh. Means, uh, even if uh, I walk in India as an ex-Muslim, uh, people the people might kill me. Think uh, sometimes if if there is any anyone who is extremist, he might kill me, thinking that uh, I am a Muslim. And uh, so that extremism is not safe. Uh, mm. But uh, uh, but we have to find a way means uh, how we could uh, uh, how we could uh, how we could uh, stop all those things because we have uh, uh, if we uh, if we condemn uh, I, I i think i see islam as a greater threat uh, means uh, i thought that if i concentrate on uh, i even on my channel yeah. I only talk about islam and uh, so let me tell you why even i, ha me, even I have read the bible but Actually, defending Muslims will help you fight Islam. Okay, defending Muslims because if you are if you if you support Muslims' right while attacking their ideas, you will it will be easy, it will be much harder to dismiss you as a, just a hateful person. Okay, if you defend Muslims' rights and you defend them against oppression, you would have more Muslims listening to you more muslims who might realize that you have a disagreement with their ideas rather than considering them and if you if you make muslims into an enemy you will have much harder time reaching out to them okay if we're no, talking no to listen. muslims yeah if we're talking to muslims about their idea why their ideas are bad it will come across a lot better if we tell them that we are doing this because we care for them not because we're trying to turn them into our enemies okay yeah, me. So the uh, 
laptop is giving me time like one minute it could shut down so it's okay we'll, we'll talk until it yeah. shuts down you keep on keep going until it shuts down it's okay so we have to do another stream i guess uh, we didn't uh, discuss on slam uh, as much uh, as uh, i this Have is a bad Islam. No, this is we're talking about Islam, right? We're talking about Muslims, Islam, everything's related. No, this is a bad Islam. This is the strategy of fighting Islam. Because again, you if you're mis if you are uh, misused for uh, as if you turn anti-Islam activism into anti-Muslim bigotry, your movement has been hijacked and you're you're less effective at, at addressing the problems with Islam. Yeah, all your knowledge goes to waste. Because the people that you actually want to educate, you keep on saying we want to educate Muslims, educate Muslims. If you do that while you're also saying that, you know, they are backward and they're this and they're not, you're denying their oppression. If you're doing all of that, then uh, they're not going to listen to you. The very audience that you're trying to reach is not going to be receptive to you. What's the point of having all this knowledge? Right? I think we lost you. He's still on. Okay. Apostate Imam, are you yeah. there? Okay, I have a few things I'm going to add then. Yeah, go for it. Open. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, okay, so guys, if you say that, well, is when you say, like, okay, yeah, the oppression is bad, but Islam is so bad that maybe it's justified. This, you know, the oppression is justified. First of all, you're replacing what one evil ideology with another. When you think like it, it, there's, it makes sense for us to become inhuman and violate people's rights because their ideas are bad, then you have you have turned into the monster that you're trying to defeat. Okay, mm -hmm. you're replacing one set of evil ideas with another set of evil ideas. Right. Um, another thing is that this whole this idea of like, well, they're scared. They're, they're just scared. That's why, oh, I know they're doing these horrible things, but they're scared that this might happen or that might happen. Well, I mean, I don't know. The, the Germans were also scared that the Jews are going to take over, and that's why they did all the things that they did in World War II. Okay? China so, I mean, says that situation. about the Uyghurs, by the way. Yeah. China says that about the Uyghurs. Yeah. They say that we're scared. Of, what if they're, it's a response to yeah. terrorism. They say that about the Rohingya, right, in, in, in Myanmar. So. So I don't know if just saying they're scared of what might happen is like reason enough to for, for us to all of a sudden justify the things that they're doing. Um, and even if you think like, okay, yes, but they're, but the other side is horrible. Well, the other side having being responsible for horrible things makes it, makes it even more important for you to get your activism right. Okay. Because if you turn your anti-Islam activism into promoting and endorsing Hindutva that is responsible for turning Muslims into like this, I don't know, this state within a state, like these enemies within, that is going to, that is the perfect fuel for alienating Muslims even more. And alienating Muslims even more is going to make them even more radical. You're like, you're not helping. Like you're like, oh, but they're bad. Okay. You're making them worse. You're, you're the reason you're, you're, you're like, oh, Muslims are, the Muslim, what the Muslims are doing. That's what makes what's making Hindutva more radical. Well, guess what? It works the other way around too. The radicals of Hindutva is responsible for making the Muslims radical. Like both, like what, do you not see how these are these are two different movements that are just feeding on each other, right? And guys, how hard it is to condemn this. Like, why is why was why did it start with saying like, 
oh, okay, I don't endorse it, but I don't condemn it either. Why wouldn't you? How hard it is to condemn violence, discrimination, bigotry, intimidation. Why do ex-Muslims, a lot of ex-Muslims have a problem with this? How hard is this to do? Just be like, yeah, I condemn it. Like, oh, I'm going to focus on Islam. Okay, focus on Islam. But can't you just like, it takes half a second for you to just condemn it. So your movement is not being hijacked. Yeah. And like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And it's okay. Here's the thing. It's okay if you don't want to focus on Hinduism and Hinduism. Just lightly be like, I condemn it. That's bad. And then go back to talking about Islam. That's Just make sure that you're not being hijacked by some other group of people. But go on, Ali. Yeah, I, and the other thing is like, you know, when he said that the Hindutva is responding to it, and like all of the evidence so far points to the idea that the Muslim communities are getting more and more marginalized uh, as they're being pushed to the brink by since like, you know, since Modi came along and since the Hindutva got a lot of legitimacy and they started rising in power uh, because, you know, th this is an, there's an incident when I think uh, George W. Bush was introducing Fried Zakaria to somebody. It's Fried Zakaria is originally from India. And he said, George W. Bush himself said, he's like, oh, this is Fareed Zakaria. He's from India. That's the one place with a large Muslim population where there hasn't been an international T-word, T-E-R-R-O-R-I-S-T, um, who has been from India. And that was actually true. No international um, incident has ever involved it. And this is the second largest Muslim population in the world, the most pluralized, the most secular, uh, influenced by mysticism and Sufism and things like that in India. Um, and they're very, very well integrated. Some of the best actors are secular, openly atheist people like Amr Khan, Muslim guy, an openly atheist actor, Javed, the guy who got the Richard Dawkins Award, right? And this is something that all of the uh, Indians and Pakistanis can recognize, right? Javed Akhtar got the Richard Dawkins Award, started off Muslim, open atheist, right? There, so there's secularism among the uh, sort of the Muslims in India. Is something that has been accepted. They've been they've been talking about it for a very long time. So it's a very strange thing. Okay, but I don't want to dismiss the fact that yeah. See, here's the thing: there yeah. are so many examples of Muslims making progress, and so many examples of radical Muslims. No, no, I, and Islam. Armin, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 hold on. Let me let me correct it because I think you're. I, I know what you're doing. But this is I'm talking about the group, the group overall. I'm just giving examples of individuals, but I'm talking overall the community in India is much, much more well integrated than other places. So it's a strange thing to say that they're the, the oppressors. Pretty, yeah, but there are the there are many examples of you know Muslims doing horrible things to Hindu within India as well. Okay, of I'm course. sure there's so many. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many examples of that, and the other way around. Okay, mm -hmm. we don't. This is you know we don't have but. But, you know, when I, if I say the, in India, Hinduism is a bigger problem, I'm not saying that Hinduism is worse than Islam, okay? No, Islam is worse than Hinduism, okay? But obviously in India, Hinduism would be a bigger problem because there's so much more Hindus, okay? And they're in power, okay? They're in power. Like, for example, in the United States, Christianity is a bigger problem than Islam, okay? Even though Islam is a great, bigger, you know, worse religion, right? more dangerous religion. But in the United States, Christianity has more access to power than Islam. Obviously, Christianity would become a bigger problem. Yeah. In Israel, the biggest threat to Israel when it comes to ideologies, it's not Islam. The biggest threat in Israel is Judaism, okay? Obviously, because they're in power. They have more influence, okay? So in India, Hinduism is the risk. When, he, when he's like, oh, like, Hindus are, you know, more free. Guys, India 
I love India because it's the world's largest secular country. It's the world's largest democracy. It's the world's largest country with some level of free speech. And all of that, all of those ideas, all of those things that makes India a better country are being threatened not by the Muslims, by, but they're being threatened by Hindutva, by Hindus, by the BJP. When you say like, oh, Hindus are more free, well, guess who's challenging that? Who's challenging that freedom? It's the BJP. It's the Hindu extremists that are a challenge to all the freedom that you're enjoying in India. Yeah. And guess what? If the greatest threats by, by Muslims in India is the fact that they are the perfect scare tactic by Hindutva. That's the greatest damage that the Muslims in India are causing to India is that they are needed by Hindutva and the BJP as an excuse for all their failures because fear-mongering and creating an enemy has proven to work wonders in elections even when you f screw up your economy and make bad foreign policy decisions. Okay, so don't be like, oh, well, they have to because they're scared. Bitch, they want to be scared. They want. It's not like, oh my god, what do we do? They're like, no, please give us more reasons to scare to scare our population because this is doing wonders for our poll numbers. They want Pakistan to do something. They want our Muslims in the community, just like China. China is waiting for the next radical attack to excuse all their all the crimes that they're coming. They're just waiting for like. Why are they not attacking? We need an attack. We need the radicals, Muslim radicals, to do something. And I'm sure they're going to get their attacks at one point. Yeah, this is yeah, this was a strange kind of experience because I mean, obviously, like he had a lot of uh, really good information. You know, he he had everything at his fingertips. Like this kind of very reminded me a lot of the Robert Spencer thing. But um, then you know later on, I guess you know when we started uh, asking him about the Hindutva thing, it was strange. His laptop started dying, so. Um, it just seemed a little convenient. I mean, I don't know. No, I don't. Let's, I don't. Let's not. Let's not. I'm not. Sure, yeah, not sure about it. No, but but, uh, but you're right, Ali. He's like he's so knowledgeable, and I just don't want something somebody so valuable to all of a sudden go into the Hindutva camp, because it will, guys. If 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 more, if, I'm so glad that most ex-Muslims are not falling for this right-wing crap. A lot of a lot of them, a lot of us are not like that, right? But guess what? If more of us, all of us a sudden align ourselves with far right people, right, and when with anti-Muslim bigots, then when they accuse the ex-Muslim movements of being just a tool of far right extremists, they would be right. They'd be and correct. if they are, they would be correct. And if they are correct, then you might as the whole thing is lost. If they are correct when they make that accusation. Then the whole ex-Muslim, so all this knowledge and all these good points that people have against Islam. Imagine all of that going to waste when the when that accusation actually and has a point. We've seen it happen. It's happened over and over again. Like with all this reform crew, like all of the re reform people, like they align themselves with all the right, like like Tariq Fatah. These guys, like they've aligned themselves with these people, and they have absolutely. They're speaking to an echo chamber of people who already believe what they do, and nobody else. There's no credibility. If you want to make a, do you want to make a change or do you want to make a point? If you want to make a change, you got to engage with the people that you want to make a change with. Okay, that that that's the thing. I mean, you you don't engage with people who already agree with you because then it's not doing anything. It's just you're venting and venting and venting. It's not going to solve anything. So 
I think I think Susanna was asking in the live chat. We'll ask him about love jihad and anti-farce conversion laws. You know what? I have Susanna has a lot better memory than I have when it comes to the, all the examples of what Hindutva is doing in India, and especially because she has done all the research when it comes to us covering this news. And you know, she spends a lot of time, um, you know, analyzing all of this. She's a lot more knowledgeable about it. So I think like it would be valuable because I wanted to like I wanted to like list a whole bunch of examples because I know there's so many there is so bad it's so the the Hindutva bigotry and the oppression and the discrimination they they're bringing down upon the Dalits and on the Muslim community it's so bad like it's unimaginably bad like it's like it's cartoonishly evil that's how bad it is like these people are anti happiness and love and anti like any form of sense of safety and security among the Dalits and Muslim community. Um, like not, not even like as an, ac as an accident, like on purpose. Like if this was a fiction, you would be like, this is too evil. It's not believable. That's how bad the situation is, right? And to make excuses for that, like once when you hear, when you're familiar with these stories and the things that people have to go through because of far right Hindus uh, in India, and then somebody comes and like, well, maybe because they're scared. Well, I can't condemn them. Like you, if you knew all these stories, your blood would boil. For somebody to try to try to make whitewash all of the all of these crimes, so I I, I wish I wish Susanna was here so she could like provide like a whole bunch of um, you know data and examples of what we're talking about because she's a lot mm -hmm. more familiar with it. But maybe next time I don't know. God damn it! I think we need to have like a episode when we go through a list of all of this crap because none of this should be excused, guys. If if you're worried about anything, the greatest threats to the our planet right now are the CCP, the BJP, and the GOP, okay? And they none of them happen to be Muslim. And it's not because Islam is not dangerous. It's because these groups of power have the highest access to, these groups of, these ideologies have the highest access to population and power, okay? So, you know, and, 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 and money and resources. And nukes. Okay? And what? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, <laughs> All yeah. three of them. <laughs> All three of them. God damn. All right. Yeah. You can't make the we have, you know, people talk about the rise of the far right, the rise of the far right. They have no idea the rise of the far right is happening in India, and most of the planet is completely ignoring it. This is not a threat to India. This is a threat to the entire planet. Okay. This needs to be addressed. More people need to know about this. Hmm. Anyways, I was... yeah. So yeah, that was that was an interesting episode. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. I guess yeah. I haven't had that, but okay. Well, so uh, thank you. I, I guess if you if you hear this again, um, uh, apostate imam, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking on yes, the questions. And uh, you know, we hope uh, next time would love to come back and actually continue this conversation as we were talking about it. But um, you know, I hope I hope your laptop do you think will be charged. Do you think huh? Do you think he's upset because he just came and you're like, Armin, you're the reason why I'm an ex-Muslim. And I said half of the show, I decided. No, you I didn't. You like, asked him the right question. The, he Look, if he knows yeah. you and if you're the reason God, he's sure that he knows what you do and this is what you do. So I think that hopefully it was very inspiring to him and hopefully he'll learn yeah. more from this. So it's yeah. great. I just hope he has a charged laptop. Anyway, um, <laughs> I got awkward at the end. Yeah, I know. For us, we, we thrive on awkwardness, music guy. This is like, this is what we yeah. love. Yeah, Mars, thank you very much. Uh, we are going to be, this is almost the end of October, people. So um, next week, we have our, our last episode of October. It's going to be the Q&A, the monthly Q&A. It will be public for everybody. So bring your friends, 
tell everybody about the show so you can come on and ask all the questions that you want, except for about the big illness and a couple of other things that YouTube will, will, you know, totally give us strikes for. But aside from it, yeah, pretty much anything you want to. Yeah, strikes or deprioritization. It depends on what different, yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyways, yeah, guys, please, please make sure that you tell your friends and everybody else about the podcast. Make sure you recommend it. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and recommend other people to do as well. If you're watching like the video, YouTube, like the video, that really, really helps. And leave a comment. That also very helps. Yeah. Th and if you, very, and if you like helpful. what you hear here and if you find this stuff interesting, please do consider going to patreon.com slash SJME and becoming a mm -hmm. patron for as little as a dollar a month. And you will get five or more live streams every month that you'll get to watch on video live right. and take part in and ask questions and if you want to if you can't join the live stream you want to ask your questions ahead of time you can post them on the patreon page and those questions will be addressed before any of the others so we will prioritize those questions so thank you very much everybody um and Me music guy saying nobody else brings this kind of entertainment lol give a like yes that was actually yeah. <laughs> quite entertaining yeah. that's fun yeah, we should have thank more you guys guests on yeah thanks uh, everybody be best Next week, Q&A, be best. The secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time. May the flying spaghetti monster be with you.